Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Ted McLean and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Welcome back to Looks Like Work, Liron. You're our first guest to ever come back. Yay! It's such an honor to be here again, chatting with you. So I'm really excited for this conversation. And for any of our listeners who didn't have the chance to listen to our other episode with you, which was one of our first one and one of my favorites, Aww. first of all, run and listen to it because it's it's such a good one it's chock full of insights but second of all Iran can you kind of quickly introduce yourself who you are what you do and then we can go on to discuss all the good things we want to discuss today okay I I didn't expect another intro so now you're it's a challenge but let me let me see if I can manage it like in 30 seconds of uh, reintroducing myself so I am um, a multi-passionate design entrepreneur and a typeface designer by trade. I work on multiple projects and try to manage my time as much as it's possible to manage it with uh, three kids and a dog. So I design typefaces. I have a hybrid uh, writing system that involves Hebrew and Arabic called Aravrit. And this is, it's already grown into a brand with workshops and talks and an online shop and custom designs. And I also do research on typeface design and lead a mentorship uh, program in uh, women in type design and everything under the, the umbrella of letters, I would say. You're also extremely modest, I have to add, <laughs> because yes, you just said a whole list of things you do, but to someone who's just listening to it out of the blue, they wouldn't understand what a rock star you are. So you all, Liron is, she's really the rock star of kind of the design slash type world that this typeface, this hybrid typeface that she created has conquered the world. She spoke in TEDx about it. She spoke around the globe about it. There was a huge sculpture of it in the Dubai Expo just a few months ago. So I highly, highly encourage you to Google her or to go to her site um, and not just take her word about like, oh, I do a few cute things because it's so much more than that. Um, so besides being modest, uh, Liron is also my go-to friend to speak about anything that has to do with productivity, scaling a business that is not a startup, but it is actually intentionally like our guest from the last episode, Jenny Blake says, delightfully tiny and kind of really going after your dreams, but within the boundaries that work for your life. And 
Liron, in fact, is also who introduced me to the work of Jenny Blake uh, that resulted in our previous episode and in me completely obsessing over Jenny's book and podcast called Free Time. So I thought, what could be better than obsessing about it together um, on my right? Yes, <laughs> like, let's just make our text messages and our and our like coffee chats um, into the podcast. Why not? Why not? And especially since these are topics that we are chatting about anyways, I think that Jenny's book gives a really perfect uh, kind of framework to to work through these issues that we both of us and I'm sure many of the listeners are also challenged by and uh, encouraged by and inspired by. Liron, I, first of all, I want to like let people know that for you, productivity is like, it's more than just a passion. You have an amazing newsletter for our Hebrew speaking listeners about productivity. And it's something that really occupies your mind and your time. So what, what brought you to like really kind of dealing with it and, 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 what made you like want to really invest a lot of time in exploring this world? And how did you hear about Jenny's book initially? Yeah, I will. I'm happy to, to talk about this because it was such a gradual pro- process. I was like not initially interested in productivity for the sake of productivity. And also I have a very big issues with this word and this term and the whole term of time management, but we can get into that a bit later. But I was, I just, it came out of necessity, I would say, because since I'm working on multiple projects and each of them kind of requires a whole different skill set. Uh, some is like deep research, some is like, I, I used to produce a, produce a typeface convention and a conference, and that was like a production skill set. And these things are completely different. And I felt like I am trying to reduce friction and reduce overwhelm and try to manage all of my projects. And this involves a lot of reflections and planning and know where I'm heading. And it started as a necessity. I started reading a lot of things. I started implementing lots of tools and strategies, trying to see what works for me. And the the thing like my lighthouse, I would say, or my North Star was all of the time to ask like, who is this serving? Is this serving a, a cause of, you know, just trying to get more done at a very limited time or trying to be in, as, as Jenny says, in uh, joy and ease while working? This is, by the way, I was like, <laughs> I spent like five minutes at least on, in our conversation with Jenny talking about that concept of ease and joy. So I completely relate to what it also evoked in you. Yeah, because, you know, just, you know, just the, for the sake of doing them or getting more of them. Um, there is this, you know, this thing of Sisyphus, the story and our inboxes, like you will never complete your to-do list. You will never be on top of your inbox forever. And you have to kind of know how to fit these things within your life. And I would say manage your, your expectations also for productivity. But my, my, my definition of productivity is to do or spend the time in the way that you feel that is mindful and the way that you feel that you should be doing, um, you know, in order to reach your personal goals. And it can be career goals, it can be personal goals. Yeah, I love it. I think 
This really connects a lot to the last few episodes we've had on, on Looks Like Work, which I feel like all of them are kind of permission slips for us. Where, like, whether we're entrepreneurs or just like people working in the world, um, to do work in a way that feels good, whether it is doing it slower or doing it faster, whether it's just doing it differently, whether it's showing up in a way that reflects who we are. Um, and one of the things that I, I think a lot about, uh, I thought a lot about it while reading Free Time, and I also think a lot about it while like just on our conversations, Liron, is how it's so funny to me that like when we speak in English, I, I start calling you Liron instead of Liron. <laughs> well, I, I can I can start calling you speak. Hedva, but I will uh, I'll go with the <laughs> <laughs> No, please don't. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, uh, or or the sad thing is, I don't know, is I think so much of the um, productivity conversation is kind of reserved to either corporates or to startups where the um, kind of the mindset is very much like grow at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually brought it up in one of the uh, previous uh, episodes that I heard Simon Sinek once say, and it was like very jarring, uh, but it definitely made me think that the only thing in nature that grows at all costs is, is cancer, which is pretty yeah. scary. And I, yeah, think about it for a sec. It's like, it's pretty jarring, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. But you know, we need this. We need these jarring Um, statements, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and what I love about, anytime I listen to you or or we just have a conversation about productivity or time management, and I I really relate to your kind of cringe from those um, definitions, I feel like it comes from a completely different place. It's a place that really aligns with, uh, like you said, with what Jenny talks about, like ease and joy, heart-based businesses. It's a place of like finding a way to grow consciously and to kind of fulfill our mission or our, our passion, like each individual passion or mission, but in a way that is true to who we are and that is aligned to our values uh, as well as to how we want, we would like our lives to look like. Do you relate to that as all, at all? Yes, very much. I, I always say that I'm a, a designer and as, as a designer, I value and cherish the opportunity that I have to design my days, actually, and design my career. And the fact that I know... I love that. Yeah, I can, you know, I can decide what I want to work on. I can, I know that there is a place of abundance that I can get more clients if I need. I can get more money if I need. Um, but during my days, I can design it. And yeah, it can be overwhelming, like when you've got limited, limit, unlimited options, but, but this is the part where it gets, where it gets kind of tricky, but also satisfying that you know that you've done the things that you, that you're good at, that you like your zone of genius. I just finished a conversation with a friend. Um, and I, I noted that I realized that I love starting things. I love building things, but then the follow through is much harder for me. Um, and not because I don't like this. So for work. so many of us. Yeah. But you know, it's like, I think creatives, uh, 
in general really like to start things like we have this pe- passion or like inner fire that really bursts and we have to start something and it ca- it cannot stop like even if it was not on my uh, quarterly plan I will still do it because I feel this urge but then uh, what this friend told me is perhaps you can design your life to fit this and what what will happen or how will your life look if you do these things that you love like initiate build um create projects and then have someone and speaking of delegation and Jenny Blake have someone else follow through um so that was an interesting yeah question. it's a real eye-opener because I think like one of the big things with Jenny's book free time is that you could really I, I love how you talked about it design your life so you can design your business to to fit the life that you want uh, and what you enjoy doing so the fact that you enjoy doing new things um, I could definitely see times in my life where I would kind of be angry at myself and berate myself and say hey you're only starting things or if you started this thing you need to also be really great at following through yeah. or on the other hand that I might think that I need to build you know a billion dollar business or With like thousands of people who will then be dedicated to like <laughs> building each project into the next you know Adobe yeah. right but there is there is an in between and you could actually design your work and your your business to to do both or to, to or to deny it right yeah. to like to allow you to be as you said in your zone of genius um and And not kind of make you or force you to do stuff you're, you're, you, you enjoy less or you maybe even are less good at, right? Yeah. And I think there's also this guilt um, uh, component to, to what we do. Because if you know that you have a project that you didn't follow through and some things are, you know, people are waiting or some things are kind of falling apart and you're not following through, Then begins the, the tricky part of guilt. And this is a big part of productivity to my eyes, like the guilt of you not doing that, the guilt of having this project in the back of your mind or in your whichever list you're using that you're not just not managing to get to. There is so much guilt. And I want to explore that because I think it has so many layers to it because there's the guilt of just, you know, procrastinating or, you know, Not following through that is you know all of us know of it but then there's also the guilt and I, I am cheating a little because I know it from our conversations and I know you relate there is the guilt of like seeing the opportunities that are out out there and knowing what you're passionate about and what you would like to pursue and then just not being able to pursue it all at once because you're just one person right yeah. that's the There's also guilt in that. And then there's an added guilt of like, let's say someone being very passionate about uh, time management and productivity and then being guilty about not implementing all of the methodology <laughs> all of the time. Yes, yes and yes. And I, to that I will say that there is, there is a, an amazing person. She's called uh, Rahaf Harfush. And she, she's like a thought leader and she does many things, but she also writes and talks about human productivity. And when I, when I Ooh. read her stuff and went through some of her courses, I learned that there are so many 
so many personal things in this way of your working and your flow and what's good for you. And also Jenny talks about that in her book and um, that it's so individual. So you must explore these things, but it's not. So what I loved doing is I love to try a new tool or a new tactic, but be very critical and mindful. Is this working for me? Is this serving me or am I now serving this tool? Uh, am I needing to feel, that is yeah. such a great question can you can you repeat that because I think that is such a such a huge insight in the making for people yeah let's let's take for instance let's take a very simple to-do list app okay um I'm using notion but for for this matter we can take Trello or Monday or asana or any of these um at some point you know you would write your tasks I normally write them in a notebook. And at some point, when you know that you've got tons of tasks that you didn't move move on to the, to the right column or you didn't add all the fields, you didn't add a deadline there, this starts to be a burden on you. Now, you are not being okay towards the system, the tool that you're using. So the tool's purpose is to actually serve you. It's supposed to, like uh, David Allen, the, the guru of productivity, of getting things done, he used to say, mind like water, or no, I mean, this is like a Zen a Buddhist, but he used to say that our mind is for having ideas, not for keeping them. So the tool should really allow mm. me to just, you know, drop every idea I have, drop it to the tool and let the tool hold that for me. But then it comes a point, for instance, it happened to me several times that I noticed that I'm actually writing, like I'm capturing my to-do list and my tasks in a notebook. And then I start feeling guilty towards my whichever app I'm using of me not feeling it. And <laughs> you feel like you're cheating yeah, on it with your notebook. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel like, you know, I'm doing something wrong. And this is why I said like the, the tool should serve me. It should make my life easier rather than me trying to, you know, fill all the boxes, uh, satisfy the tool and having it work the way it should be. And I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah, I, I, I really relate because I think like we both are super passionate about growing our businesses uh, in a way that is very aligned, mm-hmm. uh, like while not cheating on ourselves, so to speak, like still keeping like, of course, keeping away from burnout, which is a very recurring yeah, <laughs> um, topic here on the podcast, but also like more than that, like being joyful and, and enjoying it. But what I have, which I don't know if you have, is like, I think I'm a little bit more, like we're both both dorks, but I'm a little bit more of a rebel, I think, than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a little bit of resentment towards productivity and time management because I feel like it's it's a lot of, of work. And that's why when you told me about Jenny's book, on the one hand, I was super, super intrigued and curious. On the other hand, I'm always a little bit suspicious of all of those books and methodologies and like, oh no, another thing that you need to work a lot in order to implement. And one of the things that I really loved about the book is that at the end of each chapter, if I'm not mistaken, she says, um, do or delegate it next. So one, it's really cool because it's very practical and it kind of just like packs everything neatly and organizes it in your brain, which is great, especially for someone as AD (laughs) as myself. But the second thing is like, she gives you like this permission of just do just what works for you. And even that you don't have to do yourself. 
That's right. True. Like, does, does that resonate at all? Very much, very much. I think that if we're speaking about about Jenny and and her book, but also everything around this book is a very an excellent example of how the book works for us, the readers. So instead of you having to um, highlight the things you love, like I did, I, I once read a book, heard the book actually. It was a um, uh, story brand. It's kind of a famous book. I read it and I. I heard it, sorry. So I marked like a quote or parts that I loved. And then I had a task in my task manager of writing down or transcribing the notes, the written notes, the, the voice notes, transcribing them. And then I'll have the summary of the book, which sounds crazy to me. So instead of, of us starting to highlight and then doing summaries and thinking through, she made our life much easier. We've got this at the end, we've got the summary, we've got the action that we need, we've got the questions we should ask. We have a two-sentence summary for the chapter. And, and then there's also a toolkit, which like what could be like, and I can share that we are having like in my team, we have tomorrow a meeting to discuss how we can implement the toolkit. Like what could be more helpful and efficient than that? Yes, it's fantastic. And it is so easy. Even, even them... Like even writing an Amazon review for Jenny's book is simple as like unbelievably simple because all you have to do is click. Uh, there is like a short URL for that. And there is a bot leading you through with questions of things you should write about and you could write about. And this is so much easier than starting to think and phrase and take your takeaways. It's just very easy. It's just delightful. Yeah. It's just like a, a delightful experience. Mm. And that takes me to this like kind of <laughs> sentence that I feel like I've, we've both been alluding to like for the entire time we've been like recording today. Um, but for me, this is like one of the first sentences in the book probably. Mm -hmm. But I honestly think that I kind of listened to it multiple times because it's really stopped me in my tracks and literally stopped me in my tracks because I was listening to the book while walking. And I was like, oh, just a second. I need to <laughs> listen to it again. Take a few steps. Back. And the sentence is like, I think it's very much in the beginning when, when Jenny describes like the purpose of, of the book. Uh, and she says, uh, earn twice in half the time with ease and joy while serving the highest good. And, you know, earn twice in half the time, very, very cool, very compelling, very intriguing. Uh, I feel like we have heard it in many places. It's, you can't take it for granted. Of course, it's a big promise, mm -hmm. but that's not what <laughs> really stopped me in my tracks. I think that the, the gravitas, the stress, like the, the weight on, in the sentence for me was the second part with ease and joy while serving the highest good. Yeah. And I don't know, Liron, like as a business uh, owner, as an entrepreneur, do you feel like you have permission from yourself, from the world to do stuff with ease and joy? Because I, I don't always feel like that. No, I absolutely not. <laughs> and I also feel like <laughs> I tend to complicate things, overcomplicate things for myself. And I... I think that also, I mean, our lives are so organic and ever changing. So there is friction. There will always be friction. Even if you set up like your perfect system to work or your perfect team, no matter how big or small it is, things are shifting. And I think that once in a while you have to see where the friction is. And also Jenny goes through that in the book. You have to see where your friction points are, where are the bottlenecks and, and then 
how you can make this sim this system simple. But I always, yes, I very much tend towards complicating. And then the ease becomes not ease. And the delight is kind of gone in many, in many places because there is just this burden of tasks that you also feel like you shouldn't be the one doing, but then hiring someone else is also a process. So you're not doing that. And it gets very, very tangled up. Yeah, I feel like there's so much here to explore because, first of all, I feel like in many cases when we have a new project or even when the business is new, I do feel like both of us are kind of, we do come from abundance and curiosity and playfulness. And it starts like any new project or task starts from a lot of like delight and ease and joy. Mm -hmm. But then once it becomes work, that's where a lot of time it gets lost. Yeah. And then also, for me at, le at least, and <laughs> I've been telling my therapist that she needs to listen to the podcast <laughs> because it would save a lot of time on her sessions. <laughs> But for me at least, a lot of this is, I don't know if I feel like I deserve that ease and joy. Like maybe if, it, maybe if it's there, then it doesn't feel like work. Maybe I have guilt around that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I know what you mean because I feel like you're, you're talking, you know, you're talking to me. You're, you're actually saying like <laughs> you can just have this discussion with yourself and we can say that it was both of us because yeah, this is, this, we, we put a lot on ourselves. And speaking of the book Burnout, which you've mentioned a couple of times and I also loved, uh, we are putting a lot on ourselves and There is so much to be said about, and you know, this kind of, this can take us to so many different directions of like having a family and personal life. And also this, I wouldn't call it perfectionism, but I would say like this tendency to, to do the things in the best way possible, which sometimes is doing them way too much or spending way too much time on them. Tinkering over things and and you know planning it and kind of or sometimes it's avoiding them right because because if you're if if you're striving to do them to perfection then it 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 doesn't really happen yeah uh, at the end or it doesn't happen quickly yeah and you know just this morning I have to share I had this thought and we we started talking about this before the recording but I had this thought I went I went to get a glass of water or something and I. I said this like very you just reminded me to drink my water yes, go on <laughs> you should you should um yeah I've been having terrible headaches in the past weeks so I'm trying to drink a lot and apparently it's not enough so yes drink your water and I had this really like unkind thought to myself and I said okay I didn't really do anything today what have I done? It's like noon. What have I done today? And then I stopped me, stopped myself because I'm kind of surrounding myself in books that are trying to make it normalized that I'm feeling this way. And we can get into that later, the 4,000 weeks book and so on. And I said it to myself and then I caught myself and said, okay, this is not a kind thought because I have been doing many things. I've been doing everything I can do. I love it. I, I really, really love so it. It's hard though. I'm, I mean, I'm At the moment, I'm doing it very technically. I'm saying it to myself, but this is hard. I'm I have to grab this. This I have the book by you know here next to me, um, this four thousand weeks book. So I just opened it in this. Listen to this phrase. It's incredible. It can't be the case that you must do more than you can do. <sighs> 
Wow. Wow, right? Can you say that again? Yes, I feel like I have to say it again. And I'm also going to write it in a post-it note on top of my screen. Once more for the crowd in the back. Once more, exactly. In case you didn't write this one down, it can't be the case that you must do more than you can do. This is by Oliver Berkman, the (gasps) author of 4,000 Weeks. It's just mind-blowing. I feel like (laughs) I'm going to gasp every time you... With with this sentence, yeah, I just I with this sentence, I'm walking in the past couple of days. Like, okay, but it's I I shouldn't be doing more than I can do. It's like impossible. So managing expectations is. You know what? I'm like really. This reminds me. I I really like like we were Amelia, uh, this podcast's amazing producer Amelia Ruby and I were joking around that looks like work has become like the burnout um, burnout podcast. And then I was joking with her that actually in the last few episodes, I feel like it has become the permission slip uh, podcast. Yeah. So permission to speak authentic- authentically as you are, permission to grow your business or your career as slowly or as quickly as you want, permission to free your time, permission to start from scratch, uh, permission to not do what you can do, I guess, is the next one. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I think it also goes really hand in hand with your original title of uh, just looks like work because this is what our work looks like and these creatives. And yes, it involves some burnout and it involves the need for permission slip. And I, I, I truly believe in this, this mission of yours because normalizing this and talking about this honestly and candidly, like anyone would do with you as a fantastic interviewer, um, is, is something that needs to be spoken about and just, you know, shared. Shared worldwide. Oh, Liron, thank you so much. And and thank you for being so honest and candid. I want to explore another thing when it comes to ease and joy. And it really relates to what you said about, are we serving the system or is the system serving us? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we implement um, systems that are really great for us in the beginning, right? And they do allow us to do stuff with ease and joy. So I'll I'll try to bring it a little bit to the ground Mm -hmm. with just a... Um, an example from my team. So I really love having one-on-one conversations with each team member. Um, and I would have like a one-on-one weekly with each team member from like, let's say almost, no, not a year ago, but from like November when we became like a real agency. Mm-hmm. And this is now June. Then when Lauren, our project manager joined, uh, we also, she also joined those weekly one-on-one calls just because it didn't make sense for me to have those conversations with Madison or Nadja or Navidi, et cetera, and then brief Lauren about them mm-hmm. so she knows what's going on. So she joined at some point. And then we also really wanted to create those team calls that were just like social calls, not work calls, because we did it a few times and it was just really, really fun, especially as we all work really remotely. We're all like really spread globally, mm-hmm. but it was super, super challenging to just bring everybody together across time zones. Fast forward a few months and there was one Monday because those like weekly calls always happen on Monday where I was like frustrated because we couldn't get anyone together <laughs> for a team call. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I was like, hey, I'm like six calls in. I've heard like, (laughs) I've, 
I've talked about how my weekend went so many times I can't hear myself <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know, like we're an asynchronous uh, first team and still I'm spending my entire day in calls and my, my head is exploding and I don't know if it's fun anymore. And then I also read another article that reminded me that one-on-one calls are actually for the benefit of the team member, not for the benefit of the manager. So I said, like, what am I doing? Those one-on-one calls, like, I I really love hearing, you know, from everyone and everything, but they've become like this big block on my calendar. And they've turned from something that is fun for me and for Lauren and for whoever is uh, in that call to something that is super task oriented. So the ease and joy really kind of have gone out of the window. So then we re-examined it and the new thing we've come up, which has been working great for a few weeks and, you know, whenever it doesn't work great, we'll just like find a new way to do it is that we do one weekly call that is an hour long. So it is a long call for us, but it's all hands and everyone will kind of, yes, say how their weekend went and, you know, just like, you know, socialize a bit, be interested in each other, but we're also going to be very, very work oriented and just see who's working on what. And then towards the end of the week, like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I'll just have 15 minutes calls with each of our team members. And these calls are purely for that team member. We can talk about something they're struggling with. We can talk about something cool, like a movie that they watched. We can talk about maybe something, a career goals, a goal of theirs. We can talk about a book that we've been reading, whatever. Or we can talk about a task if that's how they want to use their time. Um, but it's it's up to them. Wow. And this has really revol- revolutionized these calls for me because suddenly I'm really looking forward to them because I'm like, hey, like I wonder what Madison wants to talk about. I wonder what Naja wants to talk about. Um, I'm I'm and I love spending time with my team members. So that has been true even before that. But I I don't want to you know repeat myself and tell people how my weekend went for the gazillionth time. Um, So I think sometimes maybe that ease and joy is also changing the system when it no longer applies. Yes, definitely. And I think also you're injecting the delightfulness. You know, what could be more fun than having your team share and socialize and, you know, you know, just be interested and connect with each other when not, you know, we don't have to because they can, you know, get their work done. You're in different time zones. It's very easy. I think the easy way would have been not to, to do these calls. But I think the fact that you, you've examined and you looked critically and at what's not working at the moment and how to change it. I love it. I love how flexible your mind is. And you found a new creative way to, to have the same benefit, but then with this ease and joy. Exactly, exactly that. I feel like I came from five, six years of being a startup founder. And when you're a startup founder, there are so many, like, yes, you're a founder and you can build your startup, you know, however you want to, like, 
you're still the founder, you have a lot of freedom. But there are like very strict rules that are kind of what you should do. And that's what I was alluding to when I was speaking about my resentment to the productivity and time management industry. So there is like, there are the KPIs and there are like the systems that everyone knows that those are the best practices. And I, I, I want to reiterate, it doesn't mean you have to do them, but like the thought, the mindset is like, oh, in order to be a good founder, this is one, what I need to, to do in order to build like an efficient team, a good product, et cetera. And it's very rigid. And I feel like with this time around, with having like a more creative, uh, heart-based, like Jenny says, and like delightfully tiny team, even though it's like the, the same size that my startup was. I, I just want to rebel a little bit to, uh, against the system. And I want to, I want to be very, like you said, honest and candid and just re-examine stuff all the time and say, Hey, does that work? Does that, you know, as Marie Kondo says, like, does that bring me joy? Does that bring my team joy? And if not, then why are we doing that? Like, who says we have to? Yes, exactly. This brings, this brings so many things to me, what you're saying, like, it bring, brings, first of all, the talk about systems because I, I honestly, I love systems. I love not repeating useless things, uh, trying to do things once in a proper way, automating what I can do. Again, lots of things that Jenny is talking about. She has this notion of uh, every question lives three lives, which is something I love because you have this question asked and probably someone at some point will ask it again. So you might as well write it in a manager manuals or an SOP. And which is a standard operating procedure. And sometimes you even want to send that question publicly. If I, I'm probably rephrasing what she said, but this, this was the point. Uh, so I, I really love systems, but I think that we have like a hundred percent of the time we have to align them to our needs. Um, if I'm thinking about, for instance, the Pomodoro technique. Um, for the, our listeners yeah. who aren't familiar, this is a very like, um, a very Baseline, I would say, uh, productivity advice of staying focused. You work in um, in chunks of 25 minutes with a five-minute break. Uh, research has shown that this is the time that people are focused and then they need a break. And then you do like a couple of rounds of that and you get a longer break. And I've been working with that for, for years. But at some point, I've found that I'm struggling with it and something's not clicking right away or something's not going as smooth as it can be. Uh, and I'm going back to Rahaf's uh, writings about the productivity and the flow. And she had this notion of really finding our own flow. And she suggested an exercise, which I did. And in that exercise, she, she named four stages of our flow, like how long it takes you to get into the flow, how long you are in the flow, and then um, uh, like uh, exiting from the flow. And then how much time do you need to restore to your next like flow session? Mm, that is something that I can definitely skip <laughs> for sure. Well, naturally. Yeah. So the thing, the interesting thing is that she said that any, everyone has it differently. Some people have it like 90 minute flow sessions and some people have 15 minute flow sessions. And I found that I'm in the shorter span of the flow sessions and it doesn't take me very long to recover, I would say. But this was something really interesting to find out about myself. Like, okay, 25 minutes per session is long for me. It's too long. So 
this was this was like a permission so slip. interesting yeah. but then you can you can modify yeah because i i'm like thinking kind of out loud while i'm listening to you and i think i might have longer flow sessions but i think i need to restore uh for longer mm-hmm. uh but as i said i don't think that i give myself the permission to restore and this brings me to a podcast i've been listening to um I think it was on the Forever 35 podcast, mm-hmm. um, which I really love. And one of their guests said uh, she's now like a political activist, but before that she was a writer. And she said like she used to like write for like a limited time a day, but she also had the time to just take walks, etc. And when she became a parent, um, She had the same time to write because she made sure to have that time, but she no longer had the time to just like walk around, think. Mm-hmm. And then when she was would sit down and write, she was really, she felt like really angry at herself and really guilty for not having ideas and not feeling creative. But that was actually because she needed, uh, so to speak, like that. like according to what he said uh, that Rahaf said, that time to restore it. Her, her cup was empty. She didn't have time to fill her yeah time. that makes so much sense i've I've been trying to to deal with this like find a strategy for myself because you know yeah I have work that I love I have three kids that I love dearly uh, but then what about the time for myself and you know like me time or self-care started to be like these overused words that you like it just got so many more meanings than like you having an eye cream yeah, or and it's massage. totally got also hijacked by the, the cosmetics exactly, industry exactly. and by so many <laughs> like things that people try to sell you exactly. rather than just like <sighs> quiet or solitude or like fun right exactly and and my my strategy for this and it's been working really nicely is pockets of time so I'm not striving right now for like you know every day to do this and that and that but I I'm Just finding that these pockets of time of re- recharge and they can be 10 minutes a few days ago I am um, I finished a very big task and I had 15 more minutes before I had to go pick up my daughter from school and I said okay here's what I can do I can you know crank a few emails I can write a draft for something but that will leave me super stressed when I'm coming to pick her up and starting you know my second shift but then I said right. okay what about if I just make a cup of coffee? I'm lying on the sofa for 10 minutes because that's all I had left. I had another phone call. I'm going to take my book and just read for 10 minutes before I go pick her up. And this was life-changing. It was a pocket of 10 minutes. Like you're thinking, what could 10 minutes even do for you? But that was a world of difference. That was amazing. That's amazing because think about it. We need a permission slip for, yes. for, from ourselves to even give ourselves like just 10 minutes, even five minutes sometimes. Yes. It's just like you need to have this negotiation with yourself, right? Yes. And it, it, I'm, again, I'm inspired by all these books that I'm reading, but I'm having this inner dialogue with myself sometimes, not even quietly. Like I work from home, so I often talk to myself <laughs> out loud and that's very nice and helpful. I don't do voices. I just talk like in my normal voice. but I know who's saying what there is this, there is this uh, you know critic that's saying like you have to work get more work done and then there is like the, the nice angel that says oh you definitely deserve this time for yourself just take it Aww. and they're fighting like they're fighting all day long and sometimes you know 
it doesn't not necessarily feisty. yes not necessarily the good one wins all of the time <laughs> but both of them are good both of them are <laughs> I have to say I just saw I'm extremely jet lagged uh, <laughs> so I I was like working all day yesterday and then I finally fell asleep at midnight and it was like yay now I'll sleep through the night no, no I woke up 30 minutes later and was up until 4 a.m oh, no. <laughs> um like- the good thing, though, is that I had time to, like, remove my <laughs> manicure press-ons and to go through TikTok. And there was one video that I actually wanted to send to you, but I didn't want to send it to you at 2 a.m. So I'll send it to you after this um, recording. And it was so cool. It was, like, a reminder that your thoughts aren't necessarily true. Mm. They're just thoughts. Oh. So good. Right? So good. They're just thoughts. The fact that you're thinking it, the f- fact the fact that you're you have thoughts of like guilt or self-anger or imposter syndrome, that's okay. But it's just the thoughts. Like I I feel like before I started meditating, I thought that you when you meditate, you have to erase your thoughts. And that was super daunting for someone who has yes. like a million thoughts Same. a second. And then I think when, I think it was like Adrian from Yoga with Adrian who said like, it's okay, just acknowledge these thoughts and let them be. Or maybe it was Yoga Girl who I also listen to her meditations, Yoga Girl Daily Mm -hmm. uh, on on her podcast. Like, it's okay, listen to them, acknowledge them and acknowledge that it's just a thought. It's not necessarily the truth. It's not necessarily gospel, right? Right. Yes, that's perfect. There is in the meditation this um this like um notion or like um now I forgot got the English word slipped, but like a metaphor of the clouds passing by. So the thoughts are like clouds, they're passing by, and I was like you, so daunted from meditation, and I felt that I need to, I have to make time and kind of embrace in this. And for the whole 2021, I did every day of meditation, five minutes. It was like 365 wow. days. And I learned that, yes, these thoughts are actually, they will be there always. Like, this is who we are. But then you're also learning to live with them. And yeah. You're not going to fight the clouds, right? You're not going to be angry and say like, oh, these clouds are, they, they have to go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? You can say that all day long, but it won't really help you, right? They won't be gone. You're going to like dress accordingly and take an umbrella, (laughs) but you're not going (laughs) to, and and you're going to know that they shall pass and tomorrow it will be sunny. Yes. And I think this is maybe like underlying this whole episode as well of being compassionate and, you know, just being Mm. compassionate with ourselves. This is what it is like we are not going to change. Honestly, I'm sure we kind of like ourselves in many ways. So this is another layer, another part of us. It's not going to change. What's going to change is our attitude towards it. And I think that this is all what systems should solve and productivity and setting goals and all of these things are should be in the service of this this thing of how we can help ourselves just feel better with it. Can I say something pretty mushy? First of all, yes, I, I kind of like myself, but when I talk to you and to other friends or just other like-minded people who I whom I've interviewed for it looks like work, and I hear that you're struggling with the same things or like just working with the same things, and say like I love Liron. I, I not only do I love you, I admire you, I look up to you. you. 
And if you're going through the same things like I am, so maybe I'm not that bad either, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're kind of alike. I, I, I have so many things to say, but the first is like, not bad. You're incredible. You're amazing. Let me be mushy back. It's like, I'm, the, I'm the guest. I can be as mushy as I can. But I think that this is, this is the thing. Like when you talk to someone who is like-minded and they say things, you're starting to think, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm doing it the right way as well. Like maybe, maybe this is, this can all work out at some point. I think that right yeah, away, totally. this is the, like, I have my, uh, my newsletter and it's in Hebrew, but lately I've been exploring of just opening it up to English and opening the visual. Yes, and all yes, that. please. So yeah, I think like there is, there are more people than the dear Hebrew speakers that maybe need to hear these ideas and maybe want to hear these ideas. I know I'm not the only person on the internet writing these things, but I think that humanizing this systems approach or just, you know, Let's say it like this. There are so many white men that have a very long morning routine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dude, where are your kids in this? Who's taking care of them while you're reading a book for two hours and then jogging? Let's have it for all the <laughs> dude bro biohackers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, you know, they're they're fine. I'm sure they're happy and I'm happy for them, but All these, all these systems need to go through a lens of someone who is like, a, you know, just like personal productivity or personal thoughts on these. Um, there are so many different kinds yeah. of lives and they, the styles of, you know, what we go through. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like uh, those, like to broadly generalize, and it is a generalization, I don't think like many of those like biohacker super productivity bros ask themselves like, oh, there are so many others like me talking and spreading, you know, <laughs> their thoughts on the internet. Why should I also talk? No, there is space for you and specifically for you, Liron, with your very specific and beautiful and compassionate voice of designing a life. I think anyone who has the privilege to read your newsletter or to like consume your content in any way feels like it added to their lives and I, I can personally attest to that oh, thank you so much now the real challenge is, so is making my it enjoy. vote <laughs> to bring it to more people but enjoy and ease <laughs> and this is like this is the thing how how can one do get a new project or get something new going without having it become burdensome so I've been writing this newsletter for a yeah. hundred and a uh, 27 weeks straight every week wow yes. what an accomplishment it, and at some point it you know there comes this Saturday evening which I've procrastinated on my way, way towards and it needs to come out like in 12 hours and now I need to write it down so I'm yeah I'm still figuring it out how I can do it in in this joinies thing and way yeah so let's so so this is actually I think a great segue to you know to To ask you as someone who is very passionate about all those things and who has read and is reading so many books and content about systems and productivity what are your like key takeaways specifically from free time like why do you think should people read this book well I think that first of all um, I think Jenny is a brilliant writer and her podcast also is highly highly recommended uh, because I I feel that first of all uh, in the podcast I feel that she is very generous 
Um, and like Jeff, very generous with her information that she's sharing and very generous with her frameworks. Um, and I think also the book is written so beautifully, like you dive into it, you cannot stop reading it. It's written with so many examples and so many metaphors like baking batches or um, it's it's not what you bake, it's what you make. And the uh, floor is lava, like everything is thought provoking and you want to hear like the metaphor and what's come comes out she's got the fiji test which was a, a lovely takeaway that i had so I, i'll share it here so instead of uh, like thinking oh what happened if i would die tomorrow in a car accident and like would my no, team no. know what to do let's do a positive twist on it what would happen if i would be whisked away to fiji for three months with no wi-fi and no like no cellular reception how would my team get along with the business? And this is such a good question to ask. Like, even if you're not planning to go to Fiji, you still need to have things working properly. The system set up, the automation yeah. set up. This was my a very big takeaway of mine. I loved it so, so much. Yeah, I, I agree. And I listened to the book and I felt like it was kind of a hybrid between reading it and listening to her podcast, which I also listened to a few episodes. And it's just like so personal and really so I think you said the word compassionate it's really very much injected with compassion and generosity so I highly recommend that I do have one more thing that was really helpful for me a lot of the strategies are things I've been using in some way shape or form but the framework that she set of align design assign and every step has three steps in it so it's very structured um I would say structures with flexibility, but you know that you can go through these stages and align your business, then design it the way you want and then assign it to someone else. And there is the toolkit, the, the toolkit that you mentioned, which just had, has so many supplementing templates and stuff to work with, which it's really it's such pleasure. Yeah. And I will say, you know, this is designed specifically for entrepreneurs, uh, but Really reading this, I thought a lot of these practices could be so helpful for just people in work generally. Yeah. And I would encourage you to either read or listen to the book or even like just read uh, or like or listen to a few uh, podcast episodes or just read uh, other contents uh, by Jenny because a lot of like even if you don't go through the whole book and through the whole structure just the mindset that she sets um, is a great mind shift for so many of us yeah I would encourage everyone to re-listen to the previous episode with her interview that would probably probably give some highlights of, of the of the podcast and see and the book and see what people are thinking yeah and listen to me fangirling over jenny blake <laughs> well she deserves it and i i can fangirl over you right now and it will be like a perfect uh, uh, perfect uh, i can fangirl over you <laughs> leon thank you so much for joining me i appreciate it so much i love First of all, just talking to you and having conversations to, with you is one of my privileges and, and delights. Uh, and second of all, having them uh, on the podcast, I feel like um, we're bringing everyone into our, to our coffee chats and to our WhatsApp text. So if you're wondering how it is, now you know. <laughs> now you know, it's just not recorded like on my fancy microphones and video. Um, 
but yeah, I, would, I, I would be really interested in hearing what people think. So if I mean, I mean, encourage them to write to you, uh, but they can also, of course, reach out to me and say, because this is also, it's so interesting to hear what resonates because we are just two women, but there are other people who are hearing that with different opinions or, um, I don't know, like similar opinions. It would be interesting. We're just two badass uh, <laughs> business owner women conquering the world <laughs> in a way that works for us. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an end.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you'll like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week and I share thoughts, links, books, and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com and I really hope to see you there and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one.